0: Uh, We have a number, um, and actually that number would be two, Um, we have a number of wonderful lessons um, this evening, but primarily um, looking um, at the first, uh, 1 Kings 19, which we heard from just a moment ago, and the the prophet Elijah, and the way in which um, God moves and works in his life, the way in which God speaks to him, which says a very great deal. Uh, about the character of God uh, and the character of God in relationship with you and with me. And what I I hope and pray that we'll see tonight as well as we reflect on this is the way that it speaks to our life as well and what it might say about the character of God and the work of God um, in our lives and the questions that it addresses. And and among them, uh, and there's certainly more, but among two of the things that I invite us to think about um, this evening is uh, what the voice of God sounds like Uh, and what the work of God looks like, what the voice of God sounds like um, in our lives, and what the work of God looks like um, in our lives, Uh, the voice of, uh, the sound of, and the work of. It was um, a number of of years ago, and I I can remember uh, it was after um, Jack has has gone back to school again, and of course makes me think back um, to my days in school, Uh, and I remember um, my first semester at the Citadel, um, it was just wrong, anyway. Uh, but also, I mean, it was just—it was just wrong. Uh, but also, everything that could go wrong um, did go wrong. That that first semester, um, my paternal grandfather, that I just adored and was extremely close to, he died um, that first semester. I, I broke uh, my toe and had to sit out uh, the first half of the soccer season. Uh, my girlfriend, um, now my wife, was in school in North Carolina, and you know. When you're 18, I mean, can anything else be worse? Um, You know, I mean, it's just sort of like everything um, that could go wrong went wrong in my life. And and instead of studying that first semester, um, I practiced the speech that I was going to tell my father. And um, that speech basically, and I I worked on this for months. And that speech basically said, you know, Dad, this has really been a great experience. And and I've really learned a lot from this experience, and I really think it's going to be you know sort of a blessing and enriching, and I'm going to apply the lessons that I learned here at my next college. Um, and so that was the that was the um, that was the speech. I mean, as I say, I mean I put months of work into it, and I can remember um, the opportunity was Dad and I had gone over to the grocery store, and we're st- I can still visualize it. We're sitting in the Big Star parking lot. Uh, the Big Star is now Publix. Um, but it was the big, y'all know Big Star, right? It was a good old Big Star grocery store. We were sitting in the Big Star parking lot, and I began to go uh, into my speech, and I'd honed it, I'd fashioned it. And, and Ed said, he said, no. Um, he said, you know, if, and I was, I was like, wait a minute. And before, I mean, I was just, I was still sort of getting warmed up, and I was telling him how I'd learned from this, how it was going to be fantastic. And, and he, said, he said, no. He said, you know, you made a commitment, um, and you need to go ahead and see it through. And he said, if you want to talk at the end of the first year, we'll talk. But, but yeah, until then, um, you know. Until then, we're gonna we're not gonna talk about. It. Come on, let's go get the milk. And he just started getting up and go and get out of the car, and and that was it. And I was just like, now wait a minute. I, I had planned this. I knew um the way things needed to go. I mean, it was absolutely crystal clear to me the way things needed to go. Uh, and I knew um the way that God, you know, God had worked there, but God was really gonna work over here. Um, I knew how that would fashion. But my dad, uh, in that particular moment, um gave me, and I guess part of what I want us to reflect on tonight as well is, uh, Dad gave me tremendous love and grace in that particular situation, but it looked very different than what love and grace looked like in other situations. Uh, In some situations in my life, it was a word of encouragement. It was um, picking me up. It was dusting me off. It was helping me along the way. And sometimes what love and grace um, looked like in that particular instance, um, basically was silence. Um, it It was nothing. It was... Um, I hear you, but you're wrong, uh, is in essence what, what he shared with me. And I share all that with you because one of the things that we see um, in Elijah, and it's, it's obviously not just in this 19th chapter, but if, if you look through the chapters which lead up to this, and, and not just the chapters that lead up, but, but as we go beyond as well, but also um, throughout the entire witness of the Scriptures, one of the things that we see unmistakably, and this is something I want to lift up to all of us tonight, uh, is that God is alive and at work. Uh, to carry out his good uh, and gracious will. God is, is working for salvation and restoration and healing and uh, and wholeness and, and life. God is working um, for all of these things in his creation. He's working for these things in our lives. And sometimes it's readily apparent to us, uh, and sometimes uh, it's not readily apparent to us. And, and sometimes, granted, uh, it's difficult um, to see. But other times, the reality is it's difficult to see is not because it's difficult to see, but because we don't want to see it. Um, because we don't want to see um, the way in which God works, because we think that God um, should work differently. Now, that doesn't apply to y'all, likely. Um, but there are other Christians that I know that fall into that particular category. And we see that um, with Elijah, and it's, it's, a great, uh, it's a great, great story. And, and we begin, uh, basically we begin this evening, God um, appears on the scene, and he asks Elijah a question, Elijah, what are you doing here? And it's important to note, and y'all probably know this, uh, in the Bible, when God asks a question, um, it's for our edification, not for his. Um, you know, he He doesn't show up and say, Elijah, what are you doing here? Um, no, that's not the tone. It's the question is addressed to Elijah. The questions are addressed to you and to me that we might hear, that we might reflect, that we might hear what God has to say to us uh, in this particular situation. And what had happened is this, and you all probably remember this. Elijah had just a chapter before <clears throat> had miraculously taken on the prophets of Baal, uh, and he said, basically, your God is no God. Um, Your God's a figment of your imagination. Uh, There's one true God, uh, and it's the God of Israel, the God of uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's the one true God. And he said, I'll tell you what, here's what we'll do. We're going to have a contest to see who the true God is. And you remember, they cut up the bulls. There were 450 prophets of Baal, and they said, look, we're both going to cut up the same sacrifice, and whoever's God consumes the sacrifice that's who the true God is. And of course, the prophets of Baal, 450 in number, danced and slashed and worked themselves into a frenzy and called upon their God. And shockingly, their God didn't answer uh, because he was no God. Uh, Elijah steps up uh, and he says a simple prayer um, to God and fire both comes down from heaven and and rises up from the earth uh, and the entirety of the offering is consumed before them. And you would think, after this phenomenal revelation of the reality and the presence of the power of God, what do you think would happen in the people's hearts? Uh, immediately they would see the truth, right? Immediately they would repent um, of their ways. Having seen God so clearly reveal Himself, having seen God move so powerfully, surely they would be different from that point forward. Uh, and Elijah is shocked to find that they're not. Uh, certainly some respond, but many hearts are hardened. Uh, in fact, uh, Elijah runs ahead of Ahab the king to Jezreel. Uh, and Ahab, if you remember, is married um, to Jezebel. Ahab is described um, by the author of Kings as one who did more evil uh, and before the sight of God than the others even dreamed about. Uh, and they had instituted the worship of Baal, which literally means Lord, and all these different lords that they would given power over their lives. He goes ahead, uh, and Elijah hears the word from Jezebel. You know what? Uh I'll let me be dead if you're not dead by the end of today. Uh, And so what's happened? He's run off. That's where we find him right now. He's run away. Because why? Because Jezebel, at least in that respect, is good for her word. She had dispatched plenty of prophets before him. And so he runs um, for fear. And in fact, not only does he run for fear, we're told just before this that he leaves his staff and his servant behind. And the significance of that is this. What it says is he quit. Um, He, in essence, tells God, you know what? I quit. Uh, I'm out. I'm out of the ministry. Uh, I'm leaving my Bible and my vestments behind. Uh, I'm out of here. I can't believe um, you're allowing this to happen. I can't believe you're not doing more um, about this. How could this happen to a guy, a wonderful guy such as myself, um, is in essence what he says. And he goes off. But here's what we see uh, amazingly. God could have very easily said to him, you know what, Um, Elijah, you're being petulant. Um, You know what, Elijah, how quickly um, you forget my power and my presence in your life. He could have easily shown up uh, and given him a lecture, uh, and rightfully so. He could have given him, instead of the pat, he could have given him the kick and say, so, you know what, um, snap out of it, um, shape up, um, remember what I've done before and have certainty that I'm going to continue to move and act and work um, in the future. But instead of that, what God does amaz- amazingly is shows up uh, with in the presence uh, of an angel uh, and uh, and touches Elijah and cooks for him, uh, prepares uh, a cake, prepares a cake for him. Uh, I'm, I'm laughing. Uh, Tim Keller says, yes, um, it's angel food cake. Um, so the, the angel appears. Uh, and instead of the rebuke, which he could have just as easily received uh, and deserved, instead of that, he receives God's kindness and God's care uh, and God's provision. Uh, and yet he still He's still frustrated. He's still wrestling with God. He's still arguing um, with God in this situation. And we hear that he, in fact, goes to Mount Sinai. Uh, He goes to the cleft uh, in the rock. Uh, As Moses before him, he goes to Mount Sinai. And we see that God once again uh, appears and speaks and reveals himself to his servants. Whereas with Moses, he appeared with fire. We hear... That with Elijah, uh, the whirlwind comes, uh, and the earthquake comes, and the fire comes. Uh, but how does he hear the voice of God in that particular situation? Of course, what is uh, translated, uh, that still small voice, uh, is how he hears God speaking to him. Uh, we hear in the Hebrew, the actual one of the literal translations is a thin silence. Um, God speaks to him uh, in, uh, in silence. And sometimes for you and for me, uh, as challenging as it is, God speaks to us in silence as well. Uh, Sometimes the answers don't come uh, as quickly um, as we would like. And I don't make light of that because that's something which is tremendously challenging um, for you and for me. Sometimes God moves loudly and unmistakably. Sometimes God moves in ways which are perceptible but hard to see. And sometimes God moves in ways which seem, in essence, to us imperceptible. But what I'd like to say to you this night, and it's not just my opinion, uh, it's the witness of the scriptures, uh, it's the witness of the body of Christ, is that God, in fact, does work in his love and his grace, and he does, uh, in fact, move um, that we might be people who are in relationship with him, people um, who are made whole. And the challenge for Elijah, as so often as the challenge for you and for me, uh, is the voice of God didn't sound like the way he thought it should. Uh, and the way that God was working wasn't the way that he thought uh, he should be working. And in essence, what happens to him um, is his God box is exploded. Uh, In essence, his disappointment is that God didn't work the way that he thought um, he should. But one of the things that's good news to you and to me is this, is God uh, is more interested in making us holy than making us happy all the time. Uh, And so we see that God is working um, for Elijah. And I lift up to you and to me as well that work of God Um, and yours in my life. Finally, um, I say to you this, God does speak to Elijah in that particular place, and he calls uh, him out uh, from the place that he is hidden away after um, the earthquake and after the whirlwind and after um, the fire, and he speaks a word of restoration. Go and return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and he gives him, after this period of challenge, after this period of trial, after these 40 days and these 40 nights, uh, he gives him... Not all the answers, but he does give them some clarity. He says, look, you know what? Um, shockingly, I've got a plan here. Um, here's what I want you to do. You're going to go and you're going to pass the mantle to Elijah. Um, you're going to go and announce Hazael, who is a king of Syria, who's not even a believer. Uh, and yet God says, you know what? That's how great my power is. I'm able to work um, through him as well. Go and anoint Memshi, king of Israel. God says, you know what? I'm, I'm alive and at work and I have a very definite plan. Uh, And so what I'd like to say to you and to me is, yes, um, that's entirely true in the big picture. God is working um, for um, the redemption of the world. But what I'd also like to say to you, and what I pray that you see in this as well, is God uh, is both macro, but he's also micro, uh, and that he also is infinitely aware of you and me uh, and is infinitely concerned um, for you and for me, and we see it in the way that he works Um, in Elijah's life, pursuing him uh, with his love and his grace, restoring him and calling him back um, into his service. And so I pray that for you uh, and for me, ultimately, that we'll hear this, uh, that God has, in fact, sought us. uh, And we know that most certainly uh, in the gift of Jesus Christ, um, the one who absorbs um, the whirlwind and the earthquake and the fire uh, of God's judgment Um, on the cross, that you and I might be people who are loved, who are forgiven, who are restored, um, that we might know the work of God in the big picture, and that we might here know the work of God in our lives specifically. And as we hear that this evening, let us pray. Heavenly Father, um, you know very well um, our our many shortcomings and our despairs and our despondencies, our, our, our frustrations, most gracious God. You know, the the odd hiss we have and often um, our despair when you don't act as we think you should. And yet, most gracious God, you reveal to us again and again that you seek us in your love and your grace. Lord, I pray for the outpouring of your Holy Spirit on each person gathered here, on all of us as a whole, that we might hear from you, most gracious God, that we might hear your voice speaking to us and calling us, uh, and that we, like Elijah, might be drawn out from the places we hide and that we might experience the fullness of life which is found in you. And this we beg now in the name of your Son, who is Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.